I reached for the great soda and I chugged this thing, like not even kidding, maybe two minutes before I got on stage. And so this song is a very difficult song. Like there's a very, very high part at the end. Um, and so I chugged the soda, I get out there and I realize, oh no, this is bad. Um, I, the, this comfort in my abdomen was telling me this is, this is not gonna be good. So I, I'm singing, I've made it through, I get confident and I think, oh, I've got this in the bag, it's fine. And then I feel it welling up in this very last huge note at the end of the song. Hello, my friends. Welcome to episode 78 of Between You and Me, the podcast where we talk to musicians about the things that hurt, heal, and change us in evangelical culture. My name is Jess Morris. I am an Aussie music journal, normally an expat when COVID's not happening. And this is the place I created so that evangelicals and ex-evangelicals, misfits, rebels, rock stars, people who are asking tough questions like what the heck is going on with Christianity right now, so that we have a place together. Those were all the questions that I was left with when I moved away from Nashville and came back to Australia. And through this podcast, I've realized I'm not the only one with those questions. I'm not the only one who struggles to figure out where do I fit in in this bizarre evangelical culture? What does my belief system look like and who is God? This episode is brought to you by our friends at JesusWide.com, your number one source for Christian news, interviews, and reviews. Jesus Wide have been partnering with us since day one. And it's a delight two years in to still have them sponsoring specific episodes. And if you would like to check out my and the rest of the staff's top 10 albums for the year, just head to jesuswide.com now and you will find that. Today is our last episode for 2020. We passed through our second birthday without a mention. So happy birthday to us. Go team. We're here. Thank you to our listeners from day one. Thank you to our new friends. It has been such a joy to see this family grow through new listeners, through guests, through people and contacts in the industry. It's sort of like we're developing a real community. Um, and I've been seeing, not just through me, but through lots of other avenues, this real pursuit of honesty and authenticity and growth and accountability really rise to the top in Christian music, not just in the nether regions now. It's actually really moving into the powerful, influential part of of what's going on. And that's really exciting because that means there's hope. It is a privilege to be here today with you for our last episode of 2020, like I said, and today's episode is with Joel Vaughan. Now, if you listen to any sort of Christian radio, I promise you, you have heard Joel. Joel is a really established singer-songwriter, but the really interesting thing about him is that when you hear his name, you don't automatically think Christian musician, right? You think the Hill songs and the Kerry Jobs of the world and the Chris Tomlins, but then I had a look into Joel's history and his music, and I realized that he has been a constant, influential, and persistent force in music since about 2008. That's not easy. He was actually signed to Dream Records, a part of Capital Christian Records, some years ago now, and ever since he's been working at crafting his own unique sound in Christian music, which, as we know, is not easy because... Christian radio only plays certain things right. And so Joel finds a way to share his story, to share authenticity in the sound that, that you know, the evangelical church loves. 
but in his own way. He started pushing it towards pop and to EDM, and in his latest EP, Louder Than The Lies, he actually deconstructs some of his own ideologies around success and what he has had to battle with as a moderately successful Christian musician who has then sort of been like, wait, what, what, what's going on now? Because as we know in music, unless you are Taylor Swift, nothing charts number one all the time. You are never going to be everybody's favourites. But on that note, I found Joel such a joy to talk with because he is so honest and authentic and open and that is something I really valued that's something that has really helped me to destigmatize how I feel about Christian music which I know is an odd thing to say because this whole podcast is a lot of the time about talking about Christian music and Christian musicians but that's because I have my own prejudices against it and I struggle with it and I've seen the good and the bad that happens in it talking to Joel Vaughan was a reminder for me that there are good people in this industry right in the center of it doing good work and that their stories are worth listening to um, and that they've got something really beautiful to offer. And that's really great. So I'm really excited for you to hear Joel today. You will hear some snippets from his new EP. He actually also just released a single called Like a Kid on Christmas Morning, which he co-wrote with our buddy, Ross King. Um, And he's one of our favorites. He's a brilliant songwriter. Another really underrated Christian artist in the Christian music who you should check out. So we have a little bit of a chat about that. Now, new friends, you will hear a short bio about Joel, the who, what, when, where, why, and then we'll get right into our conversation with Joel Vaughan. When you type in the name Joel Vaughan on Google, you're immediately brought up with the image of an Australian surfer. Well, I promise you that this Joel Vaughan isn't an Aussie or a surfer, but he is a stellar musician currently based in Tennessee. And if you've never heard of him before, I guarantee you've probably heard his music on the radio. You may have even seen him in a movie because since 2008, he's become a mainstay in Christian music and on radio and has become a consistent and persistent voice in Christian music with catchy, meaningful lyrics, poppy hooks and authentic storytelling. Not an easy mix. Now, this all comes from Joel's eclectic childhood. He grew up with his father, who was in the military, and consequently moved around a lot. Singing was a constant, and when his father moved on from the military to become a pastor, Joel found that singing and his faith helped him to stay the course as it would be. He developed musically through this time, using it in ministry, like all PKs, and used it to become a worship leader for kids. Now, Joel took on his first staff position at a church in 2007, and between this and travelling in a family band, people began to hear and know about this Joel Vaughan musician guy. It is worth noting, though, that music wasn't always the cause for Joel's life. When he went to college, he actually pursued a degree in broadcast communication, something I have high respect for as a fellow journalist. But soon after he got his degree, he turned completely towards music, and aren't we better off for it? Because as he began to write and record, he eventually created his first independent EP, Bigger Than Me, which came out in 2009, and this was soon followed in 2010 by Don't Give Up. Now, anyone who has or is an indie artist knows it's a tough kick, right? And after some regional touring and moderate success, Joel took a step back from music as he worked through what he calls a spiritual desert. The cool thing, though, is that this journey led him to the gateway to the next chapter of his life. It actually included music and brought up his love of songwriting. As he wrote about his redemption experience, a new EP formed called In The Waiting, and it actually included a track he co-wrote with his wife. 
Joel's confidence in his music and his calling as it would be grew, and so did his audience. In 2015, he dropped a self-titled EP and started to depart from his indie sound, exploring pop and dance tones with the influence of Swedish artists and producers Jonathan and David Thulin. It resulted in his beloved single, Loved By You. Now, after all the highs and lows of his career already, Joel's persistence paid off. He was soon signed to LA music label Dream Label Group, a part of Capital Christian Records. First label debut was named Kinetic, and Joel pushed the envelope in the Christian market with his pop and EDM sensibilities. The single Wide Awake hit Billboard's Top 20, and Joel was off and running. He was recognised by reviewers for his refreshing pop worship sound, and he had guest appearances on Chris Howard's Saviour and Satellites and Sirens' Tanks. He toured across the country and was soon followed by another EP, of course, called Surrender. This EP was nominated for EP of the Year at the new release today, Wheeler Christian Music Awards. And to top it off, his single, As You Are, hit the Billboard Top 20 as well. In 2018, Joel released the album Control and continued his climb to success. He released the Billboard charting single, Pray It Up, and the song More Than Good Enough. And over time, he has gathered more than 10 million streams on YouTube. He has also opened shows of some of Christian music's biggest names. Hillsong Long and Free, Remedy Drive and Brandon Heath. You get the idea. And if he needed any more indication that things were going super well in Christian music for him, he went on to appear in the 2018 film and the soundtrack for God's Not Dead 3, A Light in the Darkness. Now, call that what you want. It is one of the biggest Christian movie franchises of all time, and nothing small when you have it on a Christian musician's CV. Success in Christian music is a really weird thing. And on one hand, you have a radio hit that every soccer mum and youth group kid listens to on repeat. Yet the next week, Young and Free or Chris Tomlin have released a new track, and your song becomes old, staying in rotation on radio, but it's sort of like in the background of life. So Joel's success was incredible, but he soon found that he needed balance with his everyday personal life as a husband and father and his success as a musician. And it actually shaped his new EP, Louder Than The Lies. Joel is now a worship leader at Victory Baptist Church in Mount Juliet, Tennessee, and he produced the four-track EP with Christian Hale and Michael Cooper, using each song to explore his battle with worthiness and to share songs that have had the most impact on the people he's sung to while on tour. I spoke to Joel about what it looks like to actually fight the lies of unworthiness and being good enough, and we also chatted about what it actually looks like to be successful in life and music. This is a super genuine and very, very talented guy. My friends, meet Joel Vaughan. For the few people who haven't met you before or heard your music, who is Joel Vaughan? Uh, Joel Vaughan is me. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, uh, so my name is Joel Vaughan. I grew up in the southern half of the United States, uh, and I say southern half of the United States because I kind of lived everywhere. My dad was in the military, um, and he retired when I was uh, – seven, actually the year I turned eight, and I started singing uh, at the age of seven on stage in church and kind of grew into uh, singing on the platform in church uh, with my parents and my siblings. I'm one of five uh, kids. I'm the youngest. Yeah. 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 And I'm the youngest too. So they they all think I'm a brat, which is fine. It's probably (laughs) fair, to be perfectly honest. Uh, no, but like, like we uh, we used to travel and sing at churches together. 
my dad became a pastor. And so my uh, older brother and I, we, we became the worship leaders for youth group. And it was something that like, I just loved doing. And by the time I went to college, I started leading worship for a uh, large worship gathering. At least it was for me at the time uh, of about 300 to 500 students. Uh, it was a non-denominational thing. So all kinds of denominations were involved. And so I led worship for that. Uh, and then got my first job leading worship in 2007. Uh, I wasn't looking for a job. It was just there was a church that needed help. And so I was like, yeah, I would love to do that. <clears throat> and so I, I started out doing that, and it kind of grew from there. People heard about uh, me and my wife and my brother. Uh, we had this little band that we had together, and so they would book nice. us and bring us out in the tri-state area. I was in Amarillo, Texas when I went to college. Uh, and so we, um, we just traveled, uh, regionally for a little bit. Um, and then I started working at a very, very large mega church. And after a few years, I felt like the Lord was calling me out of music. So I stepped away from music wow. for two years. And when I got back into it as a worship leader, uh, at this very large church, I felt like the Lord was calling me out of that, out of the comfort zone and into full-time music. Wow. So 2013, I finally jumped out of that um, and was, uh, not that I wanted to, it was very uncomfortable, but like uh, got into the world of uh, songwriting a little bit more than what I had been doing. I'd already been touring regionally, uh, started touring nationally in the United States. Um, and then was offered my first recording contract in 2015, signed in 2016. And here we are four years after that. Yeah. And uh, I'm doing what I'm doing. You got your hopes up, but won't let your guard down. I know you trust him And I know it's hard to walk it out But when he leads you He'll always see it through So you can run right at your mountain Like it's already moved And you can chase Joel today different from the Joel who was even signed four years ago? Uh, I think I have, uh, well, I, I don't know how to put this, or maybe I do know how to put this. Um, I think I was a little naive four years ago because mm -hmm. my very first single with the record label, uh, it charted immediately. Um, and so we knew that life was pulling us to Nashville. We were still living in Amarillo, Texas. Amarillo, Texas, for those of you that don't know in Australia, is a thousand miles from Nashville, Tennessee, <laughs> uh, which is, it's, it's a big haul. And so I was driving back and forth and flying back and forth oh. to Tennessee from Amarillo. Ouch. And so uh, it, it just got to the point between that and touring, I felt like I was never at home. 
Uh, we just felt like the Lord was calling us and pulling us to Nashville. Um, and a, a lot of different things happened that confirmed that. But I think with uh, my uh, with my small little success, I thought that it was going to turn out different than it did, that it was going to be this, you know, success story uh, that because I trusted in God and I was obedient to his plan, that suddenly the gates would be open wide and I would just immediately start, you know, touring and, and whatnot. But that wasn't the case. Uh, so four years ago, almost five years ago now, um, four and a half years ago, uh, I, I, I came with those expectations and then realized even signed to a record label, even with a song doing well in the charts and then another song after that doing well in the charts back to back, it wasn't a ticket for, you know, just success or whatever. Um, so there was this naive part of me back then that believed that, but also what I realized about a year and a half into it, uh, of moving to Nashville was that my priorities had kind of gotten a little bit out of whack. I forgot about why I was doing it in the first place. It became more about chart positions and more about trying to stay ahead because I was scared of losing uh, my career. Um, like I always had to one up the next thing and the next thing had to be better than the last thing, better and better and better. Oh, and so yeah. I, I just felt like I tried, had my hands in everything and had to control everything. Still trusting God, but really more or less like trying to trust myself more than I was trusting God and trying to like make things happen. Mm -hmm. um, and so it all kind of came ahead in 2017 and I, I decided to part ways with my management, uh, still with the record label. I decided to like scale everything back and really evaluate, you know, why am I doing this? What was the whole point of it? And that's when I went in. Uh, I moved to a smaller town called Mount Juliet, just outside of Nashville, and uh, started working part-time at a church uh, at the end of 2017. Uh, been there three years now. And so got reevaluated where I was in my, in my spiritual life and realized, I, you know, like I said, I had gotten a little bit out of whack. And so um, after acknowledging that, kind of stepping away from that, repenting of that, and then going, okay, God, you do a lot better job with this like than I ever could. So I am putting my trust in your hands. I'm putting my career in your hands. And it's not about charting positions. It's not about success or how many tour dates or whatever. It's about how many people's lives can be changed by you, by the gospel. And so I would say that that is the shift that's happened in the past four years for me. fly by I don't want to waste another second trying to run my life every day you're giving me the opportunity to look to you cause you got everything I need you say ask and I'll receive I just gotta pray it up give it all to you cause you're enough I don't have to make my own way I just got to I just got to Yeah, thank you for sharing that. 
That was um I on a like non musical level I totally relate to that. Totally relate to that. Um as a as a journalist yeah. who like I, I essentially work in American media but I live in Australia, I tend to me- like yeah. when I'm in an unhealthy state, I measure myself as well by all those things. And the Christian industry is so bizarre. Like we love it because we work in it, but it's so weird. Um and yeah. and so it's so easy to get caught in that. Um I think it's really cool that you and your family found a way to sort of step aside from like the toxic parts of it and sort of go, no, this is my calling and my calling is separate to that and, um, and still find a way for like God to use you in that whole area. That must have taken like a lot of self-work and a lot of work on your family's part to get to that point. Yeah, it, it took a lot of work and it still honestly takes a lot of work because like you said, it, it's the Christian music industry can be bizarre at times because you're told, uh, you know, you're not in competition with anybody, but then you have billboard charts that say otherwise. <laughs> and yes. you have people that add, add your songs and then people that don't add your songs that say, well, we're going to add this artist song instead of yours. And so you're like, you're sending mixed messages yeah. Uh, I thought we were in this, you know, to see people, like, experience the power of Jesus Christ. But, like, it doesn't seem to be across the board that way. And so that kind of messes with your head, you know. Mm-hmm. And so if you if you really find your identity in what you do and not who you are and, and who uh, God says you are, then it, it really will. Like, and there's times in my life where I, I forget. Uh, it's something that I've, I've dealt with, you know, since... I was a teenager. I, I've always identified as Joel the singer or Joel the songwriter or now Joel the recording artist. Uh, but at the end of the day, I'm more like I'm God's child. I am uh, Andra's husband. I am Olivia and Levi's dad. And those things have so much more importance than Joel Vaughn, the recording artist, you know? Yeah. So your new album is Louder Than the Lies. Um which now that I've heard some of your stories makes a lot of sense. Uh, but can you tell me about the album and how it came, like how you created it? Yeah. Uh, so this album has, has been made like, honestly, this has been one of the best albums I think I've ever made. Like I got the CDs in the mail from my record label today. So oh, I'm like, congrats. I'm like, oh, it's real. Yeah. yeah. It's like, this is a real thing. I worked on it like for, for such a long time. It was a year in the making, uh, but really most of the work was done when the pandemic started. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I had, I, like, like I told you, I've always struggled with my identity um, and like who I am versus what I do and getting that, you know, calling and competency, competency totally backwards sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of times, if, if I don't see that I'm successful or that I, uh, that people want to hear from me or, or whatever, that my artist career isn't doing well, that like, you know, I'm, I'm just not, I'm just not good enough or I'm not, I'm not doing what I'm supposed to do. If, if I was, then, you know, A, B, C, and D would be happening. And like, just because of that, that, you know, I, I'm, I'm not, I'm not worthy enough to, to do this or whatever. But yeah. then you also have this part of me that like, sometimes I'll step out on a stage and I don't feel worthy enough or good enough to step into this calling. 
Um, and I feel, in one sense, I feel this immense gratitude that I even get to do what I do. But in the other sense, I feel, it feels undeserving, right? Yeah. And so I'm always having to listen to God's voice to push through the lies that say things like I'm not good enough, that I'm not worthy enough, that I am, you know, any, anything else. When God says that, you know, I called you good, I called you worthy when I died on the cross for your sins. And that you could never make yourself good enough. And, and that's the thing that, that I always get messed, get messed up and get twisted is that somehow I think that I am in control of my own salvation. And, and I, don't, I don't actively think that. I passively think it by trying to clean up my act, by trying to always um, be more spiritual or do mm-hmm. this thing or do that thing. And like God's not asking that of you. He's asking you to be obedient and to trust him and to follow him and all that stuff's going to fall in line anyway. So the title louder than the lies is more about accepting the truth of who God says you are and not who you think you should be or who the world or who Satan says you are. I wasn't prepared for this kind of storm And now I have questions and fears that I've never had before Now I have a choice to face this myself Or look for the story of grace and redemption you want to tell creator do you like creating fancy slideshows for church or maybe you're a videographer a podcaster like me maybe you just love creating things and you need amazing stock music or videos to fill the needs that is where soundstripe comes in the team at soundstripe are world-class musicians who have hired world-class musicians to create stock music without all the loopholes of licensing simply subscribe and you can select what track you want and license it as many times as you want it's a great way to support artists and create world-class content We love our friends at Soundstripe. We have been partnered with them since the first episode of Between You and Me, and we are so grateful for their support. If you would like to use their content or check them out, go right now to soundstripe.com and use the code UMEPOD at checkout for 10% off. That is the code UMEPOD at the checkout, and you will get 10% off. You're welcome.
Hey, it's me again. Big surprise, I know. But you know what I love? Nearly equally as much as good music. I love a good band tea. And I love a good nostalgic band tea, which is why I'm a big fan of the Between You and Me web store. If you head there right now, you will actually find that we have throwbacks to some of the most iconic Christian musicians and plenty of ammunition for the next catch up with the friends you survived Christian college with or who also survived being a PK with. Go check out our t-shirts, our hoodies, our masks, because that's a thing in 2020, and even our phone covers or notebooks. We would love you to take home a piece of Between You and Me and remember wherever you go that you belong here, that you are a part of a family of misfits and worshippers and questioners and people who apparently like nostalgia. Go and check it out now at our website, betweenyouandmepod.com, and hit the shop button. That is so, so good. Thanks. Yeah. Um, is there, I know you've got a whole bunch of songs on there that are personal to you, but can you pick out a favourite or one that means the most to you, at least in this second? <laughs> yeah. So uh, there's a song that I, I had actually recorded 10 years ago. No. Kind of up in the, yeah. <laughs> that, well, I mean, I made a new recording. Still of, cool, yeah. Uh, but I had originally recorded I had originally written it 10 years ago when I was working at that church in Amarillo, Texas. Um, and I've told the story a number of times, uh, but I started playing it again about two or three years ago. Uh, I was in, uh, what city was it? I was in Toledo, Ohio, uh, playing a, a concert with a couple of other bands. Uh, this other artist, Cade Thompson, was there, and this other band, mm-hmm. Red of Stone, was there. Um, and in the middle of my set, my tracks quit working. So we, oh. we had uh, a bassist, we had me playing keys and guitars, and we had a drummer. But everything else was is a click track and some instrumentation that was in this tracks rig, right? So mm-hmm. a computer playing backtracking. And so it quit, and like we couldn't get it back online. So I jokingly said in front of a, a crowd of about 600 people, maybe 650, I said, I was like, who wants to hear some acoustic songs? And that was just kind of me joking around and then they all just screamed I'm like yeah <laughs> and I was like okay I guess I'm doing some acoustic songs uh, so I played a couple and then I got to my end of my set and then I just felt like the Lord was leading me to sing this song and so I was like hey I'm going to do something a little different I don't normally end sets uh, in a sad tone but uh, I, I kind of want to share this story and the song so I played it that night um, and I had a lady come up to me that night uh, who had you know, lost her daughter to cancer oh. uh, just a few short months before that. And so that really changed my perspective. And then two weeks later, I was playing in another state in Wisconsin, and I played that song that night, and this lady sat at the back of the room, uh, not, not the back of the room, at the back of the line waiting to meet me at the merch table, let everybody else go by ahead of her because she really wanted to talk to me. And she came up to me, and uh, one of the... Uh, the people that promoted the event was there and he told me that she had driven four hours to be there and oh. tell me something. She told me how much the song meant to her because she had lost her entire family in a tragic car accident oh like her gosh. husband and two children. And so after hearing that, I was like, man, what, not, not that what I do was important, but the, the things that I'm saying from the stage are mm-hmm. so much more important than I had even really realized uh, and so after singing that song so many times and seeing the impact that it's had, and I can go story after story after story, uh, 
that is just like that. But those two are the ones that impacted me the most in the mm-hmm. past three years. So I decided to re-record the song. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wrote I wrote it ten years ago originally. Um, I, I was out to lunch. I was on staff as a full-time worship pastor at this church in Amarillo. Uh, came back. I didn't have my keys to get into the side office door. Uh, so I had to go through the front doors where the auditorium was um, at this church. And I didn't realize that there was going to be a funeral going on, but there was a funeral happening. So I walked through the doors. I see this picture on an easel of this young lady. Uh, and I see uh, our care pastor, Roger. And I, I went up to Roger and asked him, I was like, hey, I didn't realize there was a funeral going on today. Like, what's what's the story? She looks really young. And he said, yeah, she was 24 years old and she died of a brain tumor. Oh. And I just thought, man, that's really sad and uh as we were standing there i saw this little boy who looked to be about three or four years old and he was sitting at the back of the auditorium and this is a big auditorium it's about a thousand seat auditorium he's sitting near the back um and he's by himself kind of playing with some toys and i asked roger i was like hey it just it just stuck out to me like why is this kid sitting in the back on the floor by himself playing with toys and i said who's who is that and he said that's her son oh and i asked and it just came out of me. I was like, where's his dad? And he said, well, his dad left a long time ago. He'd run out. And so my heart absolutely broke for this kid. I didn't know him. I didn't know his mother. But he was orphaned, you know. And so I, I just, it really tugged at my heart. And so I went up to my office. Uh, and instead of finishing my work for the day, I, I just felt called and led to write this song. So I wrote this song called It's Okay. And it's what I would say to him. Uh, if I had the chance to tell him face to face that uh, because from what I understood that his mom was a believer that one day he is going to see her again face to face and that while he's here on earth that if he trusts in God that everything is going to be okay Um, it's going to be painful you're going to have heartache Um, things aren't always going to go as planned but just to keep leaning into Jesus and to keep uh, pressing forward into him and so that song is translated to so many different people so that that to me that's probably i don't know it might be one of the more important songs in my life that i've ever written so breaking now 
darkness turns to light There's nothing you can take That our Savior hasn't faced You may bend from the weight But you'll never break His love is holding you It sounds like it. Even, I haven't even heard the song yet, and I, I can catch it. I can, like, I'm actually getting teary. That's that's beautiful. Um, I can. I think it's amazing how God catches those moments and how He uses like songwriters like you to then like essentially spread that hope to other people, not just this little boy. That's really really cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it's it's absolutely an honor to to get to do it. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I'm, I actually don't have this written down, so I'm just going to make a comment on the fly. What I'm getting from my conversation with you, and correct me if I'm wrong, um, is that you, it's really important for you that your music is authentic to you and that it translates to others so God can use it. Is that? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I know that it sounds like a random thing to say, but just hearing your stories I can I get a sense that like there's been so much self work and heart work that God has done in you, um, and this such a deep earnestness to just give that to people so they can experience some sort of freedom, um, and I think that's that's sorry that's really off the that's really really cool. Thank you for sharing your story with me and also your heart for your music because it um it costs a lot emotionally to continually give of yourself in that way especially even in Nashville when you have some success, but it doesn't always come. Um, so thank you for doing that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I did want to touch on, I've got a few popcorn questions for you, but I know, did you okay. just record a Christmas song? I did. Yes. I did just record one. Can you, so like a kid on Christmas morning, can you tell me about the song? Because I love Christmas, so I would love to know a little bit about who you wrote it with and why you like the song. Yeah, so I, I, I knew I was contracted out to do another Christmas song, and so I was like, man, I love writing Christmas songs, but I can't ever get myself in the quote-unquote Christmas spirit. 2020, uh, yeah. Because when you write a Christmas song, a lot of people don't realize you're writing it in, like, July... Uh, well, I, I waited until the absolute last second and didn't even get it done until September. Uh, just because I was like, I got to get some Christmassy vibes. <laughs> the leaves need to start turning or something, something, you know? And so um, I I waited till the last second. Um, and I, I I had some ideas, but nothing that I was like, man, I, I, I don't like love this idea. It's, it's an okay song and whatever. Uh, but I, I threw out some of the ideas that I had and I had already written some stuff and I was like, no, I don't want to do that. And I found this track that I had produced, the song I produced, because I produce a lot of my own music uh, that is almost four years old that was sitting on my hard drive and I was like, what is this? This sounds really good. Did I write this? Oh, it looks like I did. Look at that. <laughs> uh, and so I called my, my buddy Ross King. Uh, Ross is great. a number of songs with. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's one of my favorites. Uh, so he I called him and I was like I was like, Hey man, uh, so do you wanna make a Christmas song with me? And he's like, How much time do we got? And I said, uh, 
24 hours? <laughs> like the tightest deadline ever. And when I said down to the last minute, I, I really meant down to the last minute. And so uh, we were talking about Christmas, and I was like, you know, it's so weird to write a Christmas song this year or just anything. Like this has been the strangest year ever, and it's, it is so hard to get in the Christmas spirit when everything is just so crazy, you know, and, and not just the fact that it was September and it's still 85 degrees outside. Um, just because of the climate in the world, uh, metaphorically, not yeah. literally, uh, <laughs> the climate in the world and everything that's going on, it, it, it's just so strange. And so after talking for a little bit, uh, we got some ideas. Ross uh, got off the phone, and so we, we did, like, this COVID right thing, right? So, like, a lot of my album was written uh, in a way that we weren't all in the same room. We would all write in our own homes. Uh, so we, he started with the lyrics, and we, we started putting stuff together. And the song became about, you know, like, the first line is, like, am I the only one who is, you know, having trouble this year? To, to find Christmas cheer like after this crazy year that we've had kind of thing mm-hmm. and so uh, we just kind of talked about that and we just laid it out there like 2020 has been rough uh, for everyone in the world not just the United States it's been rough uh, and acknowledging that but the one thing that we wanted people to take away from is like yeah this year was rough but when I think about the fact that God sent his son Jesus to earth like, because he loved us so much that that, that thought alone makes me feel like a kid on Christmas morning. And that's the perspective that I want to shift for people. And that's the perspective I want to keep to remind myself of that. Like, yeah, this has been a pretty terrible year, um, for a lot of people. Um, and it's been pretty terrible, you know, in some ways for me, but that like God loved us so much that he sent his son Jesus for us to die on a cross for our sins, like undeserved love. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that we, we, we should just really shift our focus to that. And, um, and hopefully it's a song that encourages people uh, in a positive way. So yeah, that's, that's our Christmas song. Am I the only one who is struggling here? An attitude full of Christmas cheer After the crazy kind of year we've had Maybe it's the stress of the crowded stores And trying to buy gifts that I can't afford I know the season's so much more than that So I'm choosing here and now To see what this day is all about to me Cause I Still feel the wonder of that story How you came down from heaven as a baby And I'm still so amazed at your love for me And when I think about it, even now I feel like a kid on Christmas morning Popcorn questions are just random things that I'm curious about or maybe that like a fan might ask you um so what has been your funniest moment on tour whether it's your own tour at a festival or like co-headlining or opening for someone oh man my funniest moment you know what's funny is like a lot of my funniest moments 
uh, have happened before I became quote unquote Joel Vaughn, the recording artist. Um, so I'm trying to decide which one I think I should share because you know there's 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 the kind of funny ha ha ones and then there's the rolling in the floor like no way that actually happened. Uh, so I think I'm gonna go with with the first. I think I'm gonna go okay. with pre recording artist Joel. So when I was 11 years old. Uh, I was a part of a uh, Easter cantata. Uh, these things, it's amazing. They're kind of from the past. Not a, you don't hear the word cantata a lot, right? It's amazing. Uh, so like it, it's a it's a play, right? And so like my mom wrote this play. There's a song that I was singing in the play. Um, and so I'm 11. Uh, I'd already been singing on stage since I was seven years old, so it, it's not foreign to me at all. But before. I came out on stage dressed in my biblical uh, outfit, you know, like the robes and stuff. So before I get dressed and get out on stage, I am out in a field playing with my friend outside of the church, and I, I'm so thirsty. I just remember I was so thirsty. And so I get inside, and I was like, man, you know, as a kid, you don't think drink water. You just think, I want to drink something that's tasty. So at that point in my life, for whatever reason, I like grape soda. I can't explain it. Oh, no. <laughs> and so I... Re- I reached for the grape soda and I chugged this thing, like not even kidding, maybe two minutes before I got on stage. And so this song is a very difficult song. Like there's a very, very high part at the end. Um, And so I chugged the soda, I get out there and I realize, oh no, this is bad. Um, The discomfort in my abdomen was telling me this is is not gonna be good. So I'm singing, I've made it through, I get confident and I think, oh, I've got this in the bag, it's fine. And then I feel it welling up in this very last huge note at the end of the song. I was like, all right, here we go. Uh, this, this, this song is called I Believe in Christ, right? And so I, I'm gonna declare at the very end, sing this really loud note, like, oh, I believe, but way higher than that, so yeah. 11. And so I, I get to the I, and instead of I coming out of my mouth, it was the longest, loudest, most sustained belch I've ever had in my life. I wish I was and there so for that. And everyone in the audience was just mortified that that happened. My friends were laughing. The adults were just like mortified. I dropped the microphone on the stage and I walked off like I was Napoleon Dynamite and I just finished the dance. Like it was epic. Oh, that's incredible. So that is my, my funniest, for sure. That's amazing. What a way to start a career. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, they knew nice. I was going to do great things after that one. Oh, clearly, yes. That, that was destined for great things. And hopefully a grape soda endorsement <laughs> at some point. A <laughs> uh, uh, great knee high. I'm right here, bro. <laughs> my way. Yes. Right here. Open for sponsorship. Um... If you could co-headline with anybody on tour, who would it be and why? Co-headline? Well, this is going to sound weird and and self-deprecating, but I don't don't feel like I'm good enough to co-headline, but I'll maybe maybe open for. Like, if there's somebody I would love love to open for is... And go on a tour with is Stephen Curtis Chapman. Like I've met Stephen, I don't uh-huh. know him personally, but I, I met him for about an hour and a half, oh. uh, and, and sat and talked with him. And he's just the most down to earth, nice guy. 
I've ever met, and I've been listening to his music seriously since I was like a little kid. And I just have so much respect for the dude, and, and I've always loved his songs. If there's anyone I would love to just follow around the country and open for, yes. it would be that guy. That would be so cool. I'm not even a musician, yeah. and I think that would be amazing. Oh, yeah, I hear that. Um, yeah. Well, and one of my friends works for him, and he gets to Ooh. do that, like, all the time. And I'm like, and I always it's like, come on, hook me up here. Help me. Like, hey. Like, <laughs> he tried to do one time. Uh, no, but, like, uh, I asked him, like, is, is it as awesome as, as it looks? He's like, dude, he's the best boss I've ever had. And I'm like, oh, I'm so jealous. Isn't it so. nice when you find out that the people that you, like, really respect and admire are actually that good or even better behind the scenes? It's such a relief. Yes, yes, because... Yeah, it is such a relief because sometimes you find out that that's not the case uh-huh. and I won't ever like say who that is or who I think that is. But like, I will always, I will always, 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 uh, let people know about, you know, the good. Yeah. Um, because like he, that, that, he's an awesome dude. Like uh, everybody that works for him, uh, echoes the same thing. Like he's, he's just an outstanding guy and one of the, one of the nicest dudes and one of the most respectful dudes in the Christian music industry. And, while I've only spent like an hour or so with them, like I, I got that sense too. So yeah, that would be my answer. I, I would love to just like follow that guy around on tour and open for him. But That's I, a, I don't know that I'm good enough to do that. But but, I, but I Jesus, that. we are open to it and we are claiming it and we will step into that space. <laughs> no, that sounds amazing. I love that. Really cool. Um, it's already done. <laughs> yes. Getting my Pentecostal on. Yeah, let's do it. Um, my last question for you. If you could go back to speak to 11-year-old Joel um, a few days after he'd done his fantastic Easter performance and he felt destined for great things, what would you say to him knowing what you know now? I would say to him, uh, cherish the good things in life, but they're not what you think they're going to be. Um, they're going to be your wife and your children and this thing that you're so talented at, while it is a gift and a calling that you can step into, it's not everything and that one day it's going to go away. Mm -hmm. Um, so cherish your family and be with them and, um, like just soak in as much of that as you can. You don't know it now. Today, you're all about me breaking knee high and burping as long and as loud as you can. But one day, you're going to have an awesome family and yeah. to love them. So. Yeah. Am I the only one who is struggling here to have an attitude full of Christmas cheer after the crazy kind of year we It's the stress of the crowded stores And trying to buy gifts that I can't afford I know the season's so much more than that So I'm choosing here and now To see what this day is all about to me Cause I still feel the wonder of that story How you came down from heaven as a baby Now I 
Joel was such a breath of fresh air, to use a very cliche term, but he was so real and honest. He was funny and disarming, not easy to do when you're on a FaceTime audio call, um, but I really appreciated it. Now, Joel was the one who brought up what louder than the lies actually meant. I didn't realize that there was a story there, that there was a history with grappling with success, with identity, what it means to be good enough, what it means to chart one week and not the next. I had no idea. And I really appreciated that Joel was so open because even though Joel and I have completely different lives and completely different careers, I relate with that. I relate with the pursuit of happiness and success and identity and being good enough and realizing that no matter what you achieve, it's never enough. So you actually have to pull back and figure out what really matters to me. Who am I called? What does God call me? And uh, I really resonated with Joel. I really, really value that. I think there are lots of other aspects to his journey and his story that in the future we could probably talk about, but the fact that he chose to touch on the really vulnerable part, the part that other people in the industry could look at and be like, wait, you go through that? So do I. That's really special. And um, I feel like it's a real tribute to his integrity. So thank you, Joel. Thank you for opening up and giving us this. Thank you for being a light in Christian music um, for writing from your heart. It's a real privilege to chat with you. My friends, if you would like to pick up Joel's EP, Louder Than The Lies, go for it. It's on all your favorite streaming platforms now. You can also connect with Joel on social media. Just go to at Joel Vaughan Music. Make sure you add the music on the end. Otherwise, you will find an Australian surfer. Great for surfer fans, but people like me who know nothing about it will just sort of be left a bit like, what? Anyway, Joel Vaughan Music. You can also find him online at joelvaughanmusic.com. Go and let him know how much you appreciated hearing his story and give him a follow. What a way to wrap up 2020. 78 episodes, tons of new friends, really tough conversations. It has been a year of, let me see if I can wrap this up. I don't think we can wrap 2020 up. It's messy, right? Uh, But let's see, we had, I mean, in Australia, we had bushfires uh, at the start of the year. And I know that there have been other natural disasters and tragedies throughout the rest of the world. Um... I know there have been hurricanes and tornadoes and all sorts of things and war. Uh, We have had one of the most polarizing elections in America. um, And that has actually really highlighted a really deep rooted division in the evangelical church around Christians. Uh, We have continually seen the music industry change and nearly become threatened in existence and success because of COVID. Venues have shut down. Live music has shut down. Our musician friends have been struggling. People behind the scenes have been struggling. We've all gone through mental health stuff this year purely because there's a global pandemic. Uh, We all probably know people who have got caught COVID or know someone who knows someone. A lot of us probably know someone who passed away from it. Uh, We are probably part of communities or family systems where maybe there are people who don't believe that COVID is real or that do, or maybe there's arguments about that. And then there are all the personal challenges we've all gone through this year where a lot of us have either lost work or our work life has changed. A lot of us have worked from home. A lot of us have had our, you know, our economic status change significantly because supply and demand is different now that COVID has hit and people can't buy things. Um, A lot of us have been sick this year, whether it's with COVID or lots of other things. 
a lot of us have had our faith shaped, rattled, pushed, refined, any word you can think of this year, purely because it has been so hard. Um, we had evangelical rallies in the middle of a mass pandemic and multiple opinions about that. We have had pastors fall. Um, we've had sex scandals. We have had racial unrest. We've had riots and deaths. We've had lots of things happen that in other years have also that have happened in other years, but have been really amplified this year because of this environment. And it feels like everything is sped up. It feels like for a lot of us, we're more aware. Um, that's not to say that there weren't people who were aware and speaking up about key pivotal issues in the past, but it's to say that for a lot of us with some privilege, we're aware of it now, we're, or we're more aware and we're talking about it. We're trying to become educated. And that has also played a part in the fact that this year has been really heavy because we've had to do some really pivotal inner work both individually and corporately. And that is on a, like just a society basis and a church basis. Right. And then on top of all that, I know for me and for a lot of us, we're trying to figure out if we actually belong in the church and and is the church or the evangelical church or the evangelical church that voted for Trump the church of Christ and where do we fit in that? That's not me making a specific status about the answer, just that a lot of us this year have been grappling with hard questions about belonging and identity. And meanwhile, we are been fighting for our basic existence. And it's on a global scale now. In the past, stuff was on the news. And for some of us, it was a lot easier to push it aside um, or to compartmentalize. But come a global pandemic, and it's not, it's not so easy to push things aside anymore. I don't have any clear answers about this year. I'm still trying to figure out what the heck is going on. I know that I am grateful to be alive. I know that I'm grateful that my friends and my family are still alive. Um, I can tell you it's been my hardest year that I've ever had. Um, that, that death has been so much closer this year than before. That stress has been so much closer. That there have been changes and transitions in my life this year that have pushed me so hard. Um, and that I've been so frustrated with God and spent most of a lot of days crying and just saying, where are you? In the middle of all that, this podcast has been happening. And even though at times it's been a, oh, wait, there's another thing to do. It's actually been a really beautiful constant in my life because it has helped me to connect with you and with the narrative that is going on outside of my head and my world by having these conversations with artists and people in the industry and then with with fans and friends on social media you guys have actually you have actually taught me to think beyond my comfort zone to think that okay it's okay for people to have a difference of opinion to me or what can i learn from you and a lot of the time you've just simply reminded me that i am not alone this year has been so isolating and you've reminded me that i am not alone and that's an equalizing factor. It doesn't matter how successful anyone is or where we live or what we're going through right now or who we voted for politically. When we come together, we realize that we're not alone. And that has been really powerful for me. So I want to thank you guys for turning up each each week or every two weeks as it is now and showing up. Thank you for believing in this. Thank you for putting your heart into this. We are still growing. There is so much more that I want this and us to become. 
I have so many dreams and plans that I really want to put in action. And it feels like this year has really tried and tested them, but in the same way, it really refined us. And I hope that you see that and I hope that you hear that. So thank you for being here along on this journey. If you would like to connect with me, just check out Instagram at Jessica K. Morris. You can also find my book, When Hope Speaks, on Amazon right now. And if you would like to connect with the podcast, I would genuinely love that. Please go and follow us. That would be exciting. We are at Between You Me Pod on all your social media. And you can find us online at BetweenYouAndMePod.com. Catch up on all our old episodes. Go check out our new releases of the week, which we post on social media. Go check it out on merch. Go say hello. Give me topic suggestions, artist suggestions. We still have so much to dig into, so many things and uncomfortable places as it would be to dig into. But we started to do that this year. We started to be brave. We started to talk about things that that are taboos that are even have been taboos in my own life, stuff like sexuality. And I'm really, really proud of us and really grateful that you guys came along for the ride on that. Thank you. That is all I have for you this year. We will be back January 1. Yes, literally in 2021. Praise God, the new year's coming. And it is with a fantastic indie band called Faint Hearts. I promise you have never heard anything like this. They are not in Christian music, but they have a remarkable story and I love their sound. So January 1, make sure that you are subscribed to between you and me on whatever podcast platform you're on so that you get it as soon as it lands. It means that you can listen to it like the day after when you're like super sleepy because you've been up past midnight or if you're heading into work on the second or the third or the fourth and you're just like, oh, I need motivation. There'll be a new interview for you to get you through. Thank you, my friends, for doing this with me, for doing life with me, for surviving 2020 with me. We're going to get there. Here's to hope. <laughs>